Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. So my guest today, complete with her almond milk latte, started her career over a decade ago with TVNZ before going to the Radio Lives newsroom uh, in 2015. She was on the Threes Morning Show with Paul Henry, uh, Breakfast. Uh, she's had a reporting role on News Hub. She's been a finalist, Best News Journalist in 2015 for New Zealand Radio Awards. Uh, she's also been a Magic Talk host. She's uh, Most people recognise her as, I'm going to say, the lady that most New Zealanders probably see last before they go to bed. That's, ah, that think is about a good that. One. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, I'm like I, good night Kiwi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> maybe without the satellite climb. Uh, on New Sub Late, uh, she's been a panelist on the AM show as well. She has covered such events as the Lint Cafe siege, uh, the Kuiper boating tragedy, the Karao siege, and the Christchurch mosque attacks. Uh, she loves a good yarn, according to her News Hub bio, so welcome to the right place, because you're <laughs> definitely here, big or small, so who knows where we're going with this one, uh, particularly crime and court story related, so this could be quite good. She also has, and I quote, 15 lipsticks or glossies at the ready, always, uh, and she's also, uh, for the last couple of years, been the New Zealand Polo Open VIP fashion on the field judge so i'm expecting some fashion tips later on Perfect. it's a very big welcome to wilhelmina shrimpton to the cappuccino podcast Hello. welcome man thanks for having me and no thanks worries. for the almond milk latte oh you are more than welcome freshly right. milked almonds so <laughs> here we go uh we can get rid of that now the speed round uh, i don't know if you heard it but i dedicate a round of speed questions mm-hmm. to speed the world's greatest okay. police movie because yep. keanu reeves is in it and you can't beat keanu reeves for anything pretty much as far as i'm concerned so the best christmas movie of all time is what love actually oh dear lord you ah, the, controversial you, you, well. had the, you had the chance to say die hard but anyway <laughs> uh it's only because i did my own version yeah, of yeah. love actually for Fine. the news yes. and it was probably one of my favorite stories fact. of all time i remember seeing yeah. it yeah so that's all good <laughs> your dream interview is who <gasps> and why? Oh, um, straight off the top of my head, I'm going to say Barack Obama. Nice, yep. yeah. Okay, yeah. Why? Because he was such a huge um, figure in US politics and worldwide leadership, and he was such a trailblazer. Um, I just think he's an incredible guy, and he, and he did some incredible things. And it's a real shame that they don't have more mm-hmm. than two terms in the US. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yep. Uh, apart from your husband, what's the one thing that you can't live without? Ooh, um, mm, oh, I have to say my cat. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, my wee smoosh. Her name's Flory, but she never gets called Flory. Mm. It's a mix of smoosh, woody, yeah. wubba, bubba. Yes, I, I was going to say, your Instagram account <laughs> gave you away there just quietly. <laughs> uh, your last, because I know that you've done some posts on this, your last Netflix or box set guilty pleasure was what? Guilty pleasure. Selling Sunset. All right, there we go. Yeah. Favourite item of clothing is? Ooh. Oh, that's really hard. I, know, yeah, I, know, I yeah. just love everything. Yeah, I know oh, you do, yeah. oh my goodness. Um, I probably have to go, and I know this is generic, but I have to say a blazer. And I have many blazers, but a blazer just is dress it up, dress it down, corporate, dressy casual, God casual chic. Bless the news presenters in their blazers. <laughs> yep. yep. So you're only jealous of Deagle Stevenson and the such like. Right. If you were Prime Minister for one day, mm. what's the one thing that you would get rid of? Homelessness. Hmm, there you go. Good work. Okay, so. Head girl at Northgate College, uh, then off to Auckland Uni, and you land a job at TVNZ. What was that like? Because not many people go from uni 
to TVNZ to kick it off, do they? They sort of do the, uh, like talking to Susan Orquist a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'll go to newspaper because I'm a bit immature to do that stuff. Yeah. So what was that like to start off with? It was actually really funny how it all worked out and I had actually signed up to do pre-med. I wanted to be a doctor. Yep. Um, and when you sign up to do medicine, you have to do a conjoint. So I did a pre-med, a Bachelor of Health Science conjoint and a Bachelor of Commerce because I was like, business, that's great, that's useful, that's yep. a good thing to have. And in seventh form, um, we had someone who was a parent who was connected to Northcote College, and she called up and she was a producer on The Breakfast Show at the time. And they needed a youth point of view on a couple of issues, and immediately my principal hauled me into her office and thought, you're head girl, you like speaking in front of people, how do you feel about going on breakfast? I jumped at the chance, I went in, and as soon as I walked through those doors, I knew, oh my God, this is the place for me, this is where I need to be. Um, the energy, the hustle and bustle of the newsroom, I had it. I had my fix, I needed more. And i they brought me back a second time, which was amazing. And then after that, I basically pestered them enough so that they didn't forget about me, but I wasn't too annoying. So I hit that sweet spot of trying to get work experience. And I started coming in and working for free once a week. There was a girl who did meet and greet, so yep. she took people onto the breakfast set put the microphones on them, got Paul and Pippa, Paul Henry and Pippa mm-hmm. Wetzel, who were hosts mm-hmm. at the time, Coffee, and every Thursday she did the snow report. So I thought, well, you need a meet and greet girl on Thursday. So I put my hand up yep. and I did it from then and I worked for, I did sort of work experience for a couple of years and then worked my way up to a part-time contract or a casual contract on the assignments desk. And yeah, it was awesome. It was so cool. I was, so, when I think about it now, I was so, so young and I was so, so green. And I remember actually leaving TVNZ after three years and going, yeah, I think I, think I know a lot, you know. I feel like I'm really prepared to kind of dive deep into the world of reporting and I look back now and I did not know much but I was keen um, I was eager to learn and that was that's all I needed um, I think I was a bit starstruck when I first walked in all these amazing news figures and presenters who I'd looked up to for so long yep. um, you know like Mark Sainsbury and then there was Simon Dallow and Wendy Petrie and um, I remember Paul Holmes was still doing the odd mm-hmm. show here and there, and um, yeah, it was it was it was so cool. And I remember just getting a buzz every time I walked through that so those front doors. You started in a blazer. I started in a blazer. blazer. Yeah, that, so there you go. Yeah, that's, that's the name <laughs> th- for your book. Started in a blazer. Started still in a blazer. Well, because I think I wore my number what we call our number yeah, ones yeah. at high school, yep. um, and we didn't always wear blazers at Northcote no. College, but when it was a special occasion, we did, and I was rocking that blazer. Badges on and pins. Yes, yeah. I can see it. Yep, no worries. <laughs> right. So, um, you mentioned being starstruck, and everybody gets it. Mm. Who was your very first starstruck moment with when you were at TVNZ? Can you remember? I think it might have actually been Paul Henry. There you go. Um, and that was because I worked with them first yeah. off on breakfast, and he's such a big personality. And the one thing that I remember about him, and I was so overwhelmed and so excited by this, is I was trying to soak up everything like this little sponge. And I remember plucking up the courage as a 19-year-old to walk up to him and go, hey, Paul, can we sit down? Can we have a coffee? Can I pick your brain and get some advice? And he said yes. And we went out for a coffee, and it's so funny because he came back um, during lockdown to do his um, special lockdown series. Yeah. Um, and his show was running right before News Hub Late. And I remember um, it was so nice to see him again because obviously I worked with him in the mornings mm-hmm. as well. And I remember actually saying to him, because we kind of have this little gap in between our shows where we could have a little bit, bit of banter. And I remember just saying to him, do you remember that time when I went up to you and, and, and asked you to have coffee? And I was this kind of small green teenager needing advice. And yep. he was like, did I give you good advice though? <laughs> and I was like, nah, it's terrible. Oh, well, 
least you can remember the meeting, which is all good. So, so then you are a junior reporter at TVNZ for a wee while. Can you remember? Because Sasha, when I spoke to Sasha McNeil, she mm. said you can always remember your first story. Hers was about a boy who was up north who was a, a ballerina. Yeah. Can you remember your first story? Your very first to TV. Yeah, Please. I'm pretty sure it was um, It was for tonight, so it was TV1's version of News Hub Late, and it was, I'm very vague memory here, but it was to do with a young pilot who was um, flying a small plane and, and setting, a, setting a record, um, mm. and that was really, really cool, and it was nice, it was a creative story, um, I remember being so careful writing the script, and you kind of write a line, and you go, oh no, wait, I should rewrite yeah, that, and you yeah. kind of really get into it, but yeah, it was a, a pilot breaking a record for a flight nice. around New Zealand. And somewhere your mum and dad have got that on VCR as well, I bet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so then you go from TV to radio live, mm-hmm. now normally it works the other way around, mm. normally you go uh, print, and then TV, or yeah. print, radio, and then TV. Yeah. You go TV, then radio. <laughs> Were you a little bit worried at that stage? Because when I was reading it, I was like, whoa, hang on, was that a sideways shuffle? Or did you actually go, no, I'm going to go to radio and get, trade, get my trade up to speed there? Well, funnily enough, I think because I kind of fell into this opportunity at high school, and, and I was able to get into TVNZ and get that experience, that just is kind of the way... Yeah it sort of worked out so that's why I went into TV first but I remember all these senior producers kind of imparting all this beautiful knowledge onto us and I remember this one in particular who was really really hard nosed the lovely Ian Burney who was a breakfast news producer he was rough as guts yep. but when you cracked him you were best <laughs> friends yep. um, and he I remember the one thing he said to me was every reporter needs to do time in radio every single journalist he's like it's so imperative that they do that and at the time, I thought, well, if I'm already in a TV newsroom, why would I need to go to radio? Yeah. But, oh, he was so right. And um, the way that it happened is I actually, there was kind of this little, little, little tiny blip in between TVNZ and Radio Live. And there was this kind of period where I thought, well, I had this business degree. Because obviously I dropped out of the pre-med thing, yeah. but I did the business degree. And I thought, maybe I should give that a go and just see make use of that so I went into advertising for three months that's all right, it's all good <laughs> between yeah. TVNZ and Radio Live figured out it wasn't for me and so went into radio and it was probably the best thing I could have done and I tell this to all of the baby journals that I meet is do time in radio it makes your writing better your voicing better um, you can pick an angle out of nothing you mm-hmm. can shring out angles left right and centre um, it has made me the journalist I am today and I'm so forever grateful for that tiny petri dish of a newsroom yeah. when we used to be in Arthur Street in the big Moore FM building yeah. and it was this tiny wee studio and we're all kind of rammed in together but man it was awesome and you also learn the value of inflection doing radio as well which I think most people don't actually put enough importance yeah. on as well so. and that's the thing I think reporters can get distracted by pictures and what they look like yeah. and how they're presenting themselves when you really just need to focus on the story and, and the way you're delivering it and it's just it's so valuable not wrong so you have covered a number of events we've mm. done four royal tours mm-hmm. uh the link cafe siege the Kuiper tragedy um when you do something like a siege situation i mean i know what it looks like from my end yeah. what does it look like from uh, a journalistic point of view there because you obviously you're constantly you're outside the cordon to start off with mm. uh, you are constantly watching for movement and police movement and everything else and look let's be fair i have seen some reporters come running in and it's like the catering truck and that type of stuff and it's like what's going on so nothing it's just the caterers yeah um when do you flick the switch and go oh actually yeah we need to go live for this because something's going to happen because you've also got a way up as well as the public interest you've also got to obviously weigh up the danger to the hostages as Mm. well as the Mm. police officers so from your experience 
when's the when's the best time to flick that switch? Do you, do you just get a feel for it, or your producer give you the an earpiece? Or I think in most cases, by the time we actually arrive at the scene, we know whether it's a false alarm or whether it's something major or not. Yeah. Um, so generally, as soon as we're in the car, we're preparing to go live, and then as soon as we get there, yeah. um, if it's something as major as the Limp Cafe siege or mm-hmm. the mosque attacks, you know, we know straight away. Yeah. But if it's something like we, we get a tip-off about a, a call-out or an armed offender or an, mm-hmm. a gunman on the loose, I had one a couple of weeks ago out um, in Ōtara. We didn't really know what it was, and then while you're in the car... In the in between, from the newsroom to the scene, you've got everyone calling you, going, "We've spoken to St John, we've spoken to fire, we've spoken to police," and you're kind of getting a feel for is this going to be something or not. And we actually arrived there, and from the outside looking in, I mean, there were 15 police cars, yeah. there were armed officers running around. Um, but then we were hearing different things back at base, and then all of a sudden the eagle was called off. Yeah. And as soon as you arrive, I think you know, and often you know before yeah. as well do you still get nervous when you present on live tv or are you i mean like i'm not going to say that it's like falling off a log for you now but uh obviously with news hub and again lots of people don't realize you've got producers talking in your mm. ear and they may say actually well i mean we've got to cross straight to washington because somebody's done something silly there again um <laughs> but um you know so do you still get nervous before you do uh you're in the field reporting and news hub or which which do you find more nerve-wracking every day Every yep. single show, yep. every single live cross, and people always ask me this, and I've been doing this, or been I've been a journalist for nearly 12 years, and I've yep. been presenting for three, as of, you know, Woo-hoo, last month. Yesterday, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, every day, and I think it's because I care. Yep. I invest so much into this, this is a huge part of me, and I care about our product, and I and I care about keeping people informed, and, and doing a really, really, really good job. And in terms of different nerves, yes, I think so. And it's it's at different times. I remember being so nervous when I first started presenting. Yeah. And then now, and that was kind of like, oh my God, unbearable nerves. <laughs> yeah. Because you just really wanted to do a good job. Whereas now I've kind of hit the sweet spot of nerves and it actually helps you perform. Yeah. Because I think if you don't have anything going on, if it's just nothing, yeah. you can lose that um, energy and that extra pizzazz that yeah. um, is really engaging for people. Out in the field is obviously different. We don't have an auto cue. No. So that can be a little bit more nerve-wracking, it's particularly when you've got people yelling stuff at you. I actually had one cross where I was outside the district court. Um, we'd had a sentence just come down really close to 6 o'clock. And I remember there was a man kind of milling around with a, um, a big kind of boombox. Yeah. And I had two, luckily I had two camera crews there because we had one, one person inside and one outside. And um, one of the crews was like, I'm just going to go over there and sound him out, see how he's going. And he went over and had a talk to them. And then all of a sudden, I got my two-minute call in my ear. And then the man with the boombox starts walking up to me. And he's like, hey, hey, like, I promise I won't make any noise. But um, as long as, you know, I need to talk to you about a yarn. And I was like, mate, if you give me five minutes to do this... I'm all yours. I will listen to whatever you want. <laughs> Just give me the five minutes. He did not give me the five minutes. Of course not. He, um, yeah, put the boombox on, yeah. walked into the back of shot. But, um, and it's those things like that which can throw you off, but you just have to charge on through. Protests are really bad. Like, yep. if you remember the TPP yeah. protests, yep. that was that was hectic. And um, trying to weave around that and trying to be trying to be aware of your surroundings mm. as well as deliver across. Like, it, it's, it's full noise, but... Yeah. When you nail it and, and you get it done and everyone's safe at the end of it, it's it's All awesome. Good. Do you ever worry about um, a Lara Logan 
type situation happening when you're with a camera person. You know who Lara Logan is? Oh, it's a Lara, yeah, so Lara Logan is the um, reporter who got attacked mm. and dragged through the crowd. Oh, uh, yeah. yes, So yes, do, you yes. Ever, do you ever worry about that when you, because I know that you, you're focused on the camera and the camera guys, are, all the, the camera crew are there to look after mm. everything else, but mm. do, you, do you sometimes worry, you know, what's going on behind me? I think it depends situation. Yeah. Each situation is different, and you'd understand this. There's no situation that's ever the same. And nine times out of ten, yes. I think big crowds are when you do feel a little uneasy because you don't don't have eyes in the back of your head. Because you're focusing all your energy looking down the barrel, um, your other senses are numbed a little bit or, or dimmed a little bit. Um, I think yeah. The only the only time that I've ever felt a little bit nervous is yeah protests or actually the the Kawaro siege. Yeah. And you were kind of asking about what it was like for a reporter being on the outside. You guys are inside the court and yeah. you're not dealing with the locals no. and um, the family who yeah. are on the outside with us and yeah. who are emotionally charged in a really stressful situation. Yeah. And then to add cameras into the mix yeah. tips them over the edge. Yep. And the Kawaro one, there was a really dicey situation with some of the family there. It was obviously really um, a time of heightened stress for them. They didn't know what was happening no. um, with um, their family member inside. And so there, there was a situation where um, our cross almost got crashed. Yep. So there was umbrellas going up and doing anything as possible. And we had about 30 seconds to go and we just picked up our stuff and just moved further down the road. And you just kind of have to judge things as they happen and react as they happen and just keep a cool head yep. and keep calm. And it's like you, like you know what it's like. Yeah, it's there's just, always, always time to redeploy. You, yeah. you never know what's around the corner and you just have to be flexible and malleable and, and take it as it comes and yeah. just keep calm and yeah move on yeah. keep calm and carry on is the yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah so what's the biggest story you've presented on or you've reported on and why does it stick with you today so i'm thinking of something like and I'm, you are way too young but um stuff like princess diana's death mm. uh donald trump being elected uh, <laughs> and anything like that you know what's what's the biggest story that you've sort of uh, presented or reported on and what's the reason it sticks with you now there's probably there's a couple the Lint Cafe siege mm-hmm. for sure that was massive yep. um, I was in radio at the time so yep. I was covering it for radio so it was a bit of a different experience to what I experience now when I'm out in the field but it was a combination of you know you're, you're covering a story in a different country you're covering a situation of terrorism um, you're covering something that's been broadcast throughout the entire world um, that was that was huge. That really really sticks with me. Um, in terms of big big stories, um, in terms of the level of coverage, I'd have to say the um, Kaipara boating disaster yep. was a really big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just the amount of resources we put into that that was one of our worst maritime tragedies. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember that so distinctly, and it was mainly because. I think it was about 4.30 on the Saturday. I'd just finished the story for the day and I was working the weekend. Yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of going, maybe I can sneak away early yeah. and go and see my partner and make the roast of my Saturday. And it came through about 4.30 and it was like, get in the car. And I went with the camera crew. And as we were driving up simultaneously, they had um, hired a chopper mm-hmm. to meet us um, on the coastline. And um, I remember when we arrived, the chopper was landing. We were smashing out a live cross on, on, this, um, on this wharf. We hopped in the chopper, 
and then we were doing live crosses from inside the helicopter which until a few years ago didn't really happen because we've got these beautiful things called live views yeah, now yeah, yeah. so when you used to have the big old live yeah, truck with yeah, the, yeah, with the yeah, mast yeah, and yeah, the satellite yeah. dishes and yeah. all, all that jazz which looks very flash but um, is a logistical nightmare yes, yeah. we now have these little boxes called live views and they rely on the 4G and now soon to be 5G yep. network and so you broadcast it all over there so because you've got these little boxes you can go anywhere that has reception yeah. so when we're in this chopper crossing live into six I couldn't hear anything in my comms because the chopper's obviously yeah. going so my cameraman would have to listen really 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 carefully and then cue me yeah. and then there was a situation when um, we'd run out of reception because we're obviously hovering over the Kaipata bar mm-hmm. and my cameraman would say to the, the chopper pilots can we just hover a bit to the left or can we hover 200 meters that way so we'd hover until we got reception and then there was sunlight coming through the window and it was like can we swing the chopper around so there's no sunlight <laughs> and it was just the amount of effort and resource and everything that went into that story um and i think i was up i was up all night yeah. um where there was a police stand up later on that evening um yeah that was definitely one of the bigger ones um there's all the earthquakes you know yeah. the yeah. um the Christchurch earthquakes that was which happened when I was a younger journal, but yep. to be there when it happened. Yeah. Um, there's just there's so many things in the past ten years yep. that have really um oh, yeah. been etched you. into people's minds yep. and will never never forget. Now speaking of never forgetting, twenty twenty has been a shitter of a year for yeah. everybody, right? Yeah. There's been COVID. Um and before we go on any further and just to prove to my police buddies as well that journos and police officers can get on, thank you for coming on the news every night and like I said I said it to Susie and Amanda and Mel and Melissa and I'll keep saying it to all the journalists and I for giving us shit news with a smile every night because <laughs> I know it's been tough for you guys as well all right so yeah um there's been overseas governments that have been interesting as my father would say uh there's been a humanitarian crisis what did COVID lockdown look like for you mm. and how did you get through it because uh it's a bit different for you and I I mean I'm going to work on on sort of right on the corner step of the mm. pandemic and going into people's houses who may possibly have COVID-19. You're reporting it on all, on it all the time. And like somebody often said, you know, if we spoke about ingrown toenails every day at lunchtime and said there's been another 15 people with ingrown toenails, mm. people would start to worry about that as well. So how were you dealing with the anxiety at home mm. and the anxiety at the studio? Because I know that, I mean, it, look, since... COVID, and it hasn't gone, but let's hope that it does really soon with the vaccines. Since COVID and Donald Trump have sort of disappeared out of the mix, there's almost like good news out there again. I know. You know what I mean. It's yeah. right, we're right on the precipice yeah, yeah, of yeah. this so, hopefully woo, incredible 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know everyone keeps being like, I can't wait to see the back end of 2020 kick it to the curb. Yeah. And I'm going, you know that we don't just respawn back at base camp yeah. on January 1, 2021. Yeah. But yeah. I'm feeling a little bit more like we might respawn yeah. back at base camp. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> how, did, how did you cope with all the anxiety that you were getting mm. in your world at the time? Yeah, it was, it was really tough. Um, and... Like yourself, I was still going to work like normal. Because yeah, um, you're an essential worker. Because you're an essential worker. Unfortunately, yeah. as much as I'd like to broadcast from my lounge with my co-anchor, my wee cat, um, we're, not, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're not quite yeah. equipped for that. Yeah. So it was still going in like normal. I think the thing that was really hard for me is I also had some personal stuff going on. So my husband, he was employed with Bauer. Yeah. And as most people know, Bauer was shut down yeah. at the start of the lockdown. So he lost his job. So yeah. there was that stress as well, him trying to find a new job. And um, he found it really hard with me still going to work and then I found it really hard leaving him at home yeah so there was that too and then going into work and 
we were split. We the, Half of the newsroom I didn't see for no. eight weeks yeah. because we were split onto two different floors. We had an, um, team one and team two so that if anyone did get COVID, we could kind of redeploy the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, we changed the whole way that we operated. You know, we're Zooms and yep. we use this thing called Blinder, which is kind of like a Skype. Yep. Um, so doing video interviews and not being able to see someone in a physical sense was mm-hmm. really, really tough. Mm-hmm. And then also digesting just the, the the negative stories that were coming in every single day. But I think I think the thing that makes it easier to process, even though it's it's unprecedented and we've never had to digest anything like this before, is we kind of work in the business of um, tough times yeah. and tragedy and not all the time. There no, are no, some no. there yep, are there some beautiful, stories, yep. lovely stories. Yep. Um, but I think I'm I'm quite good at compartmentalizing my life and you must be the same you must go to work and (laughs) (laughs) and something happens at work and you're able to kind of put that aside and come home and kind of you can kind of compartmentalize your life running here for me it's jujitsu yeah i know that you have seen my instagram go and have a look my face gets mushed i get crushed like i said everybody if i can't breathe because somebody's trying to choke me up i forget all the other world's problems so yeah yeah yeah. well i'm I'm kind of the same like exercise is a big thing for me and i that was one thing i struggled with in lockdown is the gym's not being open so you know a home workout it's it's all right but it's not quite the same yeah yeah um meditation's been quite good And um, it's something that I've only kind of sort of recently started and I used to think it was a little silly and yep. then now I've done it and actually realised that I was silly for not trying it. Good work. Nice work, yeah. Um, yeah, there's just, it, like you say, you know, when you're working out as well, it's kind of hard to be stressed or anxious when you can barely breathe breathe because you're so puffed yeah. from doing yeah, yeah, all yeah, the burpees. Yeah, 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 yeah right. <laughs> so when you get a bad news story mm. on, on TV, let's say tonight on news hub like you get a, a real bad story mm. when you're driving home because that's normally the time it gets me i'm driving home i'm yeah. just talking about alone in my own thoughts what's your go-to for me it's a song or maybe an mp3 or something i've got on my uh phone or something just mm. crank it up and just gone mm. what's your sort of de-stress mm. i like to be alone yeah i like to just kind of sit by myself and just kind of decompress and yeah. just kind of kind of let it process in my mind um it was quite different when I was younger I used to like to be around people mm-hmm. whereas I definitely am a, a lot more appreciative of um alone time sometimes just to kind of you process it and you don't want to take it out on anyone else around you and no I know that sometimes it's that's near impossible not to yeah um but yeah I think just just sitting by myself and decompressing having sort of 20 minutes or 30 minutes where you can just sit Yep. Not do any housework, not do any errands, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not do anything on your to-do list. Yep. It's, yeah, just being still, I think, is yep. really, really useful. Have you ever been starstruck during an interview, when you've done an interview <sighs> with somebody? Because, like, I mean, like I, like I said in a previous interview, there's sort of that unwritten code mm. amongst... I call them TV land people. TV um, land people. Yeah, TV land people. Like, <laughs> people go, oh, hey, um, Brian, you had your TV show. You'll know that person there. And I'm yeah. like, I've never met them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you meet somebody from Westside, for instance, mm. or you meet somebody from 3 News, and it's, it's public assume that you know somebody quite well because mm. you're on the same TV channel. Mm. Eh, not quite. So have you ever been starstruck when you've actually met somebody and been doing an interview and sort of gone, whew, 
not at the time. I'm, I'm, I'm quite. I, I always try to play it quite cool, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be one of those. Oh my gosh, let's take a selfie. Kind of, I'm, you know. Hey, look, you're a fashionista, cool. so you always are cool. Yeah, so that's cool all as good. A cucumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think retrospectively, which is funny because you know, you, I'm guessing you've heard of Billie Eilish. Yes, I've heard of Billie Eilish. Yep. So I interviewed her before she came. Woo, yep. A big deal. Yep. That's my my wee claimed fame yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Um, when she was just starting off, she was still 15. I did a feature for, on her for News Hub Late, and at the time, she was just starting out. And because she was just starting out, again, I was the cool cucumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I think back and I'm actually kind of like, wow, yeah, yeah. she is, she's a big deal now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got to interview her, which is really, really cool. You're so going to go back through that interview and catch her still, aren't you? Somewhere <laughs> on the side. That's me and the girl that sings the theme to the new James Bond Yeah, I know, yeah. she's the one with the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> right, there you go. Yeah, yeah, awesome. What's your guilty pleasure on social media? What's the one thing that... Most people, if they saw you looking at something on Instagram, would go, I'd never spot you for looking at that. Oh. To be honest, it's, it's, I'm probably just really predictable here, but I just love little cat, cat movies. There you go. Um, cat TikToks. It's the TV3 um, cat lady. You yep. know, the, the, get a cat, they said. It'll be a great idea. Yeah, they yeah, said. yeah. The collection <laughs> of pictures. I think I saw one the other day, and it's like someone has a piece of toast with, you know, melted cheese on it, and the cat's literally sitting on the toast yep. you know you drop your toast it falls face down what's worse than that the cat's sitting on it yep exactly <laughs> right not wrong so if you could go back in history and this is the question that I always ask all the people that are journalists and just report on one event live what would it be and why Woo-hoo. oh <laughs> so you literally uh, let's say if it was Princess Diana you'd be mm. standing there at the tunnel as the car went past yeah. that type of stuff so what would what would be the one thing you'd want to report on it's hard because i feel like all of the all of the major news events are unfortunately negative and not not good situations no. but from a journalistic point of view to be part of that history is huge yep. i think i think 911 yeah. to be there um, and to be reporting on it that would have just been mind-blowing it's unlike anything we'd seen before um i and i remember when it happened because i was i think i was you would have been 10, like six 10 i was gonna 11. say yeah, yeah i remember being at, <laughs> at six i remember being at intermediate school and i remember so distinctly um waking up in the morning and i'd walked into my mum's room and i was about to get ready for school and i remember her watching the tv and just going oh my god and her turning up the volume and me being like mum what what is it what is it and looking over to the tv screen and watching that vision of those planes flying mm-hmm. into the twin towers it's I've, i'll never forget it even though i was i was 10 and i wasn't a journalist then it's just it's your yeah, moments like that you just never forget no not wrong um and i mean i think being a part of stories like that and it's it's not so different to the mosque attacks but being there and talking to people on the ground and how they've been affected it's a real privilege to be able to tell people's stories um and the fact that people trust us with their experiences Mm -hmm. and what they're feeling and their emotions and it's a huge privilege to to be invited into people's lives and their homes not wrong um not wrong so if you want to uh a little bit of a sneaky preview there, Cappuccino listeners. Apparently, somebody will be interviewing one of the three police officers who boarded the planes on 9-11. That'd be, I'm one of them. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. And I've actually been to New York and spoken to some of the fire crews that were there wow. as well and had some coffee with them. That was incredible. But that's enough oh for God. another day. So there you wow, go. Wow, yeah, we, we will talk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you were only six and I was like, <clears throat> anyway, um, conspiracy theories, yes or no? No. No. No? no? It's interesting. No. no journalists are like, no, yeah, no. No, yeah. no, no. No, no. Oh, good. Right. So you have done some hilarious stunts <laughs> on air. Uh, Britney Spears during lockdown, dancing oh, to toxic. toxic. Yep, see what? Got to yeah. keep those good vibes yeah. rolling in a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, Paddle boarding exercises with Bill Bailey. What's been your biggest cringe moment, though? What's been the moment when the producer said, "Hey, maybe you want to do this," or somebody said to you, "Hey, well, I mean, let's do this," and you've gone, "Oh no." You know what? I don't have any shame. Bless. <laughs> I Bless. have not hit that moment yet where I'm right. going, nah. I okay. I love being silly and this is the thing is you know we present such serious um, news all the time and often people see the very serious side of me news mm-hmm. reading um, I'm actually really jovial I love laughing I love being silly as you know or people might have seen I love dancing um, I love getting amongst it I'm if, <laughs> if we do a series four of Brian and Bobby you're in trouble then because I'm going to get the crew together uh, my worst moment me turning up in full lycra bodysuit I pulled out the lycra bodysuit. It's two sizes too small for me. Oh, no. said to the director, uh, can we get an XL? He's like, no, bro, we got a medium. It would be funnier. <laughs> so I'll uh, pencil you in it's for the next episode. It's not one of those morph suits, was oh, it? Oh, no, no. It oh could have been. Goodness. No, yet. Yeah, no. Love, business of costumes. I used to do kids shows, actually. Um, this Nothing wrong with This was probably around the time that I started at TVNZ, and I was... Um, yellow beard the pirate or purple feathered pirate and then i was paddle pop lion yep the key to paddle pop he doesn't speak because he's in the, he's the costume pa- paddle, yep. paddle pop yep. um so there's a lot of wiggling a yep. lot of waving and then i was also the gingerbread man two years in a row for christmas boom that was a good, go. was i'm a good gonna time. invite you to my next halloween dress up to the kids at ronald mcdonald house <laughs> Perfect. Done. all right Deal. there we go you're on uh what were you thinking and if you haven't seen it go and look on youtube uh, type in Willamina's name and then Bill Bailey at the end of it. What were you thinking during that interview? Because you're there talking to Bill Bailey about his upcoming tour. Mm. Uh, he starts talking about paddling down the Thames dressed up as Santa and waving to people. And the next thing you know, he's got you up doing paddleboard stretches. Are you beginning to think, I knew he was, and he is, he's quite an eclectic mm. thinker and a genius as well. Were you thinking, well, where are we going with this, Bill? No, I loved it. Yep. I love it. Nice. Um, also, because I'm, I'm not very good at paddleboarding, so that was great skills nice. to bank for later. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I love getting um, movement and getting yep. physical in the interview and, and doing cool things. Yep. I just, I, I think that's so exciting. And it's great when you do um, do an interview with someone who, who I mean, he's a celeb, he's, yeah, yeah. he's He's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, they is, really get into it. Yeah. I think that's just so great. I think it's the, the, the bit that sets them apart. All right. Now, speaking of which, what's been your most awkward interview ever? My most The awkward. one that you've sat there and gone, oh. <clears throat> uh, so for Amanda Gillies, for instance, it was Hugh Grant. She, she was really looking forward to it. Mm. She said they got there and, as you do, you get your allotted time from the publicist. And she said Hugh was just like... Uh, if I had somewhere else to be, I'd I'd be there. Type right from the oh, word go, and she was so like, disappointing. "Yeah." So, what was what's been your most awkward interview ever? Do you think? Hmm. Most awkward interview. Everyone's been pretty good. Um, some energy more than others. I think. Oh my goodness! I there think everyone's been really good. 
I've been really lucky. I'm just going to call I've Elimina so. Shibden Princess Optimist <laughs> from now on. That's awesome. Good stuff. <laughs> I'm just so leaving lucky. it there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So if you're looking for a lovely interview with lovely people, well, I'm going to shrimp in as your person. All right, that's what I'm I'll inject say. the energy. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm your number one hype girl. Oh, nice. All right. So you report, you present on News Hub. Uh, we've asked you how you wind down afterwards. Mm. Um, do you take nana naps when you're doing News Hub late? Sometimes. When I first started out, I did. Because yep. I'd, I'd get to kind of Thursday or Friday and, and be really pooped. Because I would go, when I first started, my... The only gym session I go, could go to in those days was the 9.30, which yep. is just slightly too early for someone who needs a good old sleep in. Yep. Now it's lunchtime, so it's a bit easier, so I can actually sleep in before. But there are the odd nana naps, cat naps, um, yep. just naps all around. Um, when I used to do AM show, or when it was Paul Henry, well nap, and nap truly. city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was well and truly lots yeah, of I naps. I know not to ring Amanda Gillies between two and four. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, not wrong. Um, so what's been the best piece of advice that anybody's given you? since you started off in the journalistic industry what's mm. what's been the best piece of advice probably to never judge a story by its cover and um, never be too big for any type of story yeah i think anything like i say big or small it's important to somebody yeah you know it's somebody's life yep. it's somebody's passion it's it's somebody's calling and I don't think that anything is ever too big or small no matter what it is so it's never never underestimate anybody and never take anything for granted because yeah like I say it's, it's important to somebody and it's it's someone's story it's it's and it's a privilege to tell it not wrong are you reading my notes at the same time as asking my question <laughs> Jeez, she's formulating answers I'm here. a cheater yeah that's no, all good self-confession your biggest whoops moment on TV. My biggest whoops moment on whoops TV. Whoops moment on so, TV. So let's think. For Sasha McNeil, it was the famous shag on a rock oh, incident. Um, yes. uh, for Amanda, I think it was maybe the auto cue going down. No, it was Susie. Susie Norquist. She had the auto cue go down right as they hit live. Oh. Uh, so she said, look, the bits of paper that we've actually got aren't for sort of mm. uh, the man shuffle at the end. They are actually there for a reason. We've got notes there. So yeah. what's been your biggest whoops <laughs> moment on Everyone here? Everyone wonders about those scripts. <laughs> yeah. Um, biggest whoops moment. Ooh. You're going to tell me now that you've never had a No, 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 interview. I definitely yeah. have. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to think of it. My biggest whoops moment. It's probably, yeah, definitely during live crosses when, when someone yells something at you and you lose your train of thought yep. or the man with the boombox was a big one. We almost had to cut out of that live cross <laughs> because he was so distracting and then I had people in my ear. Yep. Um, and I think maybe that, that cross when we were actually outside of the, of the siege as well because we probably had like 20 seconds to mm. move all of our stuff. Yep. And I remember this so distinctly we had to the person was trying to put up an umbrella in front of our camera and my camera crew was talking to the uh, studio talking to the control room and said to the producer we've got to move we've got to move and then all of a sudden we picked everything up the light fell over and smashed on the ground and then we're moving all of these suitcases um 20 meters down the road and i've got the producer in my ear going get into shot <laughs> get into shot please get into shot yeah. meanwhile i think it was when hillary was reading news on paul henry i can hear her reading my intro as i'm trying to position myself <laughs> into shot so that was definitely that was dicey nice good week now, what do you think about, well, let's do the serious questions, what do you think about the current state of journalism? Because we've got clickbait, we've got opinion pieces that are disguised as news, mm. um, and then we've got people who have written those pieces present, presenting fact on TV. Mm. So, I mean, I'm not going to say to the older generation like myself, but to uh, 
to sort of uh, those that are not say media savvy they might look at something and go you know oh hang on is that opinion or is that fact well they might mm. actually just go I'm going to take that person's opinion as fact mm. do you think that journalism's beginning to get blurred or maybe a little bit murky because of that crossing over absolutely I reckon the the rise of social media and accessibility online is both a blessing and a curse it's meant that we have more access to information and more information than ever before and the ability to communicate with each other globally but then there's no gatekeeper for that and I think we saw this a lot during the pandemic Um, you know the rise of the of the influencer and some people maybe not using that influence for good Um, there were some people pushing um, ill-informed views around COVID-19 that I saw and there was a lot of outrage over that and it's really hard with young impressionable kids because they don't know what is a reputable source and what's not and as far as they're concerned this this person who has 250,000 Instagram followers is a legitimate source of information and I think it yeah it's really hard I think working in traditional media trying to um, process that and and knowing how much work and how much effort we put in to putting out a really factual and informative product and all of our information comes from official sources it comes from the Ministry of Health it comes from you guys police St John all of the official sources and then to see people flocking to um, a a source that hasn't got that information from anywhere apart from is what I think group chats or online forum discussions it's a really hard juggling act and I think there's a need for a there's a need for a gatekeeper there's a need to kind of get some sort of verification I don't know what that would look like mm-hmm. whether there's some kind of software or anything that can make sure that information is verified it's such an interesting time in media to see the evolution of it and I know the next five to ten years is going to be even more interesting yeah and it's been so funny for me to start my career 11 or 12 years ago when social media was just beginning out and people really only used it to share pictures of their cats or mm-hmm. their puppies yep. or what they had for breakfast or yep. message each other. Whereas now there's entire channels, pages dedicated to creating content that yep. might not necessarily be accurate. So it's 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 a very interesting time and I just plead with everybody when it comes to serious things like um, disasters or pandemics or just medical information to make sure that you check your information source and if you're unsure about something don't perpetuate that inaccurate information and spread it even further because it could be the difference between whether someone gets a covid test or 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 checks in somewhere or does something or if they don't because if they believe that that's true and it's not yeah it's yeah very very interesting we've seen that in countries all around the world luckily Touchwood, I think, mm. in New Zealand. We've had a little bit of it in New Zealand, but yeah. not too much. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of which, if you're a journalist in America, what do you think your biggest worry would be? Because you've got bias networks, mm. you've got COVID 19 conspiracy mm. theories like there's no tomorrow, you've got um, beloved, the shutting down of all sort of credible journalists by people just sort of saying, well, that's fake news. Yeah. Um, and that's become sort of the doorstep. Mm. You've got rhetoric that is. Not even rhetoric, not even sensible, it's just bizarre. Mm. Uh, you've got uh, social media know-it-alls as well. So what do you think, if you were a journalist in America, what do you think would be your biggest issue at the moment? To be honest, and I know we talked about this before, about feeling safe or not in a situation where you're doing a live cross, yep. I think I would be most nervous out on the streets because yep. there's been so much violence, so many clashes, so many riots. Yeah. 
um, which has just continued to escalate and I feel like it's something that doesn't really happen here in no. New Zealand. It only really happens over in the States, or not only in the States, but overseas. I think that that would be my biggest fear. I, I think I would be really concerned for my physical safety with all of those things that you've just listed playing into the, that tension and that stress. Yep. And getting caught in the middle of it, just seeing some of that vision yep. over the course of um, the election campaign and during the Black Lives Matter protests, yep. I really was, you know, really genuine concerns with those reporters. And mm. while you're part of this history-making um, time or incident, it's it's really dicey. Yeah. It's really terrifying. Well, it's still nice to go home at the end of the night, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. it's nice to be able to go to work and not have to to wear riot yeah, gear. Yeah, exactly right. Um, or a when bo- you're reporting on a story, yeah. It's, yeah, not wrong. Now you're known as a fashionista, oh, and for those you. who don't know that what a fashionista <laughs> is, I do have to say I do have to research it. Uh, a devout follower of fashion. Uh, so, and you've also modelled as well. Let's be honest. Uh, so, <laughs> before you present, you mm. get makeup, you get hair, you get studio lights, mm. and I always ask this of everybody that's on TV: Do people recognise you on the street? Mm. And when they do recognise you, do they ever say anything, or do they just sort of go, "That's I think that's the girl from the news," and that's it, <laughs> or do they just leave it? Um, I think a lot of people um, they kind of look at you funny, and they kind of look at you a lot, yeah. and you can kind of see them their brains kind of ticking over and I think for me I look quite different on air yeah. than what I look like in person like my style and you know I've got the big news here which I like to yeah. call Lego hair <laughs> because it's literally one piece and we use kind of half a can of hairspray yeah. to keep it in place yeah. um, and I don't I don't wear Lego hair in my normal life so. I, like I don't wear any so it's all good <laughs> So yeah, it's funny, people often do kind of look at you for a little while and sort of as if they as if they know who you are and I think some people are a little nervous to say things. Yeah. Um, sometimes they do and they go, yeah. oh, News Hub, News Hub, or often they go, oh, I feel like I know you from somewhere, yeah. I feel like I've seen you before and, and, and then you kind of go to the, thing, the whole thing where you're like, oh, we haven't met before and then, oh, where could it be? And then you just feel really awkward going, well... Actually, yeah. <sighs> I'm on the news, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you just feel like a yeah. bit of a bit of a network. Yeah, I'm on the news and a I'm good re- the, and for a good reason. For a yeah. good reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> uh, so, asking for all the gents like myself who think that maybe a sweaty hoodie, hoodie after jujitsu is fashion. Uh, what's the go-to? What should we have? As men, for mm. three or four items for mm. summer essentials. For summer essentials. Ooh, there you go. Okay, a nice pair of chinos. Yes. Yep. So you can cuff them up. Um, they're a lighter fabric, so they're a bit more breathable in summer. Yep. Um, a blazer. Huh, there uh, it is. There you go. Yep, badoosh, My yep, husband's yep. a big fan of the blazer. He yep. does the t-shirt and blazer combo. Nice, yep. That's his, you know, dressy casual. Yep. Um, and I think probably... A good pair of linen shorts. There you go. Again, nice breathable fabric. If you've got kind of like a stone kind of beige colour, it's go. kind of not completely resistant to any spillages or dirt, but yep. at least it's kind of a, a brownie kind of colour, so they'll stay clean for a while. There you go. Yeah, so if you're at the New Zealand Polo Open, maybe, uh, and you see a guy wearing chinos and a blazer, that's your, your winning entry there. <laughs> um, speaking of fashion, what's four things that Wilhelmina Shrimpton couldn't live without in her wardrobe? In my wardrobe. Blazer. Blazer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm spotting a common theme here. Yeah. Yeah. Blazer, um, a white blouse slash shirt, goes with everything. Um, a really good pair of jeans. And I know I've mentioned blazer, but I love a suit as well. Right. I think women in suits, power suits, I think it's authoritative, it's really fashionable. Um, I just think it looks slick and and 
really chic. Boom, there you go. And I've got about ex- 12 different skeletons. I was going to say, will explain <laughs> some of the photo shoots I've seen you doing in suits and everything else. I love so a good, good suit. Yeah. Right, now, uh, by now you're beginning to think that Wilhelmina Shrimpton is a lovely lady, which is very true. Oh. Uh, but less than a few weeks away from Christmas, she has one of the most cold and horrific Christmas recollections I've ever heard. And she's looking at me going, hmm? I'm going, what? <laughs> Do you want to tell the story, or should I, about the, and I quote, lame chess set? Oh, no. <laughs> when I read about it, I was like, oh, oh. look, I'm just going to say to Wilhelmina's <laughs> mum, if you want to bring her down to the police station, if she tries this again this year, bring her down to the police station, I'll have words with her, because that was I just... know, I was mortified. Yep. Oh, Wendy, when's my mum... Love you so yeah. much, yeah. Mama Shrimpton. <laughs> yeah. We laugh about it now. Oh, we yeah, really I'm sure do. you do. Yep. So the story goes, Wilhelmina <laughs> went underneath a Christmas tree, shook a present that her mother had bought for her and went, I hope it's not a lame chess set, one of those lame chess sets, eh? Yeah, I, I had this kind of rattling around mm. and I was like, oh, this is big, this is exciting, mm. this is a big gift. Yeah. Mum, I hope this isn't anything lame like a chess set. And what was it, Wilhelmina? Oh, (laughs) it was a beautiful glass chess set. It was so lovely. And I remember opening it the next morning and I kind of ripped a corner off the gift and could see the end of chess. It was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked at her and she looked at me. And then all I just said was, oh, no, I'm so sorry. And then she was going, I was wondering whether I just removed it from under the tree. Right. And it's funny now because there's that series, The Queen's Gambit, yeah, yeah, on yep. Netflix. And chess is a big deal now. Yep. And I also, I did really like chess when I was a kid. Um, but I will never live that down. No, you won't. Mama Shrimpton. Yep. I'm sorry. Please. Yep. <laughs> and if I send you a picture of a chess set on Instagram on Christmas Day... <laughs> You know where it's come from. Uh, Don't send me lame photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the thing that you're most looking forward to in 2021? Because like you've said, everybody seems to have this thing of, yay, January 1, 2021, we're yeah. back to normal. It's not going to be quite that way, but what's the thing that you're most looking forward to? Is it obviously it's travel? Is it doing something that we haven't been able to do for a long time? Mm. We've been pretty lucky in New Zealand, but what's mm. the one thing you're looking forward to? Yeah, I think overseas travel would be a big one, but I don't know if it'll happen next year. I think it might happen in the year afterwards I think even though I say we're not going to you know respawn yeah, <laughs> yeah, base yeah, camp yeah. on day one yeah. I just think there's kind of this psyche around a new year that it's sort of a fresh start yeah um, and we are leaving 2020 I know it's been absolutely horrific but we're leaving it on a relatively positive note I mean just last night there was the news about the, U- the UK buying the Pfizer mm-hmm. vaccine and how it's likely to roll out next week yep. that's massive yeah. that's such a positive thing for us to work towards um, I just, I, I'm just looking forward to things getting better yep. seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, and knowing that that steep steep mountain that we've been climbing is going to start leveling out and yep. just a sweet little incline you know for yep. a sunday walk <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. here's hoping now i know that you post a lot about mental health you do pink shirt day and as a pink shirt day ambassador thank you very much again mm-hmm. uh it's okay not being okay um and i if i said to you you've got to eliminate one thing from your daily routine to make yourself a better version of Wilhelmina shrimpton what would it be Ooh. Overthinking things. There you go. Yep. I think, I, and I know I'm not alone. Yep. Everyone does. Yep. But dwelling on the small stuff, I'm just so terrible for sweating, sweating the small stuff. 
and I wish I could just walk forward rather than being stuck yep. in the past and rehashing and, and replaying things in my head. Uh, that's all good. Right. Now, like I said, you're a fashionista. You have, I once read a page and a half on your beauty regime. I was very impressed. Oh, wow. Thank you. I was like, my goodness, that's more than I've done in my entire life, I think. But that's all good. <laughs> um, I once had an interesting conversation with a bunch of men who asked me what moisturizer I used. And when I said soap, they all looked at me sideways. <gasps> but anyway, quote, uh, I usually have about 15 lipsticks or glosses <laughs> at the ready. My colleagues laugh at me when they see how many are jammed in the side pockets of my handbag. Is this a, just a case of a collection, or you like to be prepared just in case, or what's what's the story? Just I'm just prepared explain for it every me. situation. And look, I brought the handbag that I normally have with me, so we can actually put this theory to the test. It's like the makeup tartar <laughs> of really New is. Zealand. So yep. I'm I'm emptying them all out right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, for me, I think it's a case of I, I've kind of just collected them. Good and Lord. then lifted them, left them in the side of my bag, knowing that I'm prepared for any situation. There you go, yeah, exactly. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, six, seventeen. Seventeen. I've there gone you go. and broken my own record. Yeah, you're just showing off for the, the, the <laughs> lovely, great stuff, right? Okay, so there you go. So if ever you're stuck for lipstick and you happen to see Wilhelmina walking past on you at the street. It's probably a good good uh, go. Probably better than the pharmacy, just quietly. Yeah, dry lips. Yeah. You need to zhuzh up your outfit. I'm your gal. Good work, nice. And always keen on a blazer as well. Style icons. Audrey Hepburn. There you go. It's Classic, beautiful, tailored. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yep. It always makes me laugh, though, when people say Audrey Hepburn or Marilyn Monroe or something else. And by today's standards, they would be considered a beast. Well, yeah, I know, like, which is just insane. It is insane. That's it is the, insane. The pressure we're putting in, on people. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's crazy to see that. It's crazy to think that there are body trends yeah, to exactly do with decades. Right. Yeah. I just think that's ridiculous. Yep, that, not wrong. Right, last question. Uh, and if you've ever listened to the podcast, you know what's coming. But this is the eulogy question. Oh. Right, so this means that Wilhelmina's big day has arrived. And oh. She's there, but for some strange reason, you can actually hear what people are saying about you. What would I'd you, love to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually based on a play that a friend of mine did who's, uh, what happened was he faked his own death and then hid off on the side curtain so that he could hear what everybody had to say about him because he thought that would be a fantastic idea and a good boost for his I ego. I think everyone's always thought about this, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to lie. I think everybody yeah, has. Yeah. So what would you like people to say about Wilhelmina Shrimpton, apart from the fact that she had lots of lipstick, she had a great fashion sense, she was always in a blazer, or if she had one, ready... <laughs> Uh, and was a nice person as well. What would you like them to say? I think um, the one thing that I'd like them to focus on, and I know we've talked a lot about lipsticks and fashion and that type of thing, and it's something that I'm really interested in. It's kind of my creative outlet, but the thing that really matters to me is what's inside. Um, I'd like people to say that I made them happy and that I was a positive light in their life, and it's so important to me to put a smile on my friends and my families and my, and my colleagues' faces. Yep. And I just think, you know, having a positive outlook, um, being a loyal and caring person is so important. And yep. I would hope that it was everything on the inside that yep. they remembered. And it, for you, it definitely does. Because, like, looking at the pictures, I mean, look, let's be honest, when you are glammed up, you're stunning, right? Thank you. <laughs> uh, but when you're just playing with your cat and you're in a hoodie, uh, I'm not going to say you're not stunning then as well, but you're like, 
uh, I'm the same person. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. no so that yeah, full credit to you because I don't think lots of people actually realise that that it actually it comes from the inside. Yeah. And look, let's be honest. I'm never going to look like a Wilhelmina shrimp than am I? <laughs> Not the million oh, what about years. we could give you some Lego <laughs> yeah, yeah, here? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know where I'm going for the lippy and the blazer as well, just quietly. But you're right. Um, yeah, so uh, it's a really good mental health message, I guess, is like just treat people about what's on the inside not actually what's yeah. on the outside yeah I think the thing is is no matter what you look like or what you do you know it's like you can um, and it's funny when you, when I say this I, I, I watched the the Taylor Swift documentary which is wasn't really I'm not I'm not her biggest fan but watching it was a really interesting insight into her life and how she kind of started getting really into politics and one thing that she said was people always raise their eyebrows at me because I liked fashion and I dressed up in a pink dress why can't I dress up in a pink dress and also care about politics and care about people and it kind of is the same for me why can't um, myself or other females like fashion like to you know get glam but also um, be a great journalist be a good person um, be a leader be um, kind and loyal and caring it's what the out the outside is not conducive to what's on the inside exactly and still be game enough so that if somebody turns up and says hey well i mean can you stick on the paddle pop costume again you're like yeah i'm all good for that and that's what then that's the thing like you know you i can go from ball gown to paddle pop lion head and big hands or gingerbread man yeah exactly so if you see a gingerbread man with a blazer on (laughs) and a whole bunch of lipstick i'm just saying I'm telling you who it is now, kids, so all good. Right, so if we want to follow you on social media, mm-hmm. uh, what's your Twitter handle? It is Will Shrimpton. Boom. Uh, and there's lots and lots of, good evening, I'm Willamina Shrimpton, and this is News Hub Late. Kia ora, good evening. Yes, good work. Yeah. And uh, what about on Insta? Same thing, Will Shrimpton. Good work. And that's the only place. Oh, no, you've got a Facebook page as well. Cause I, I do. There. Yes. Also, it's my full name, which I, it's really hard. It's like giving out my email address to people. So it's like, you know, when you make a takeaway order, sometimes I feel like just uh-huh. saying, my name is Tina. Yeah. Because it's just easy to write yeah, 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 it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah Wilhelmina Shrimpton. Um, spelling. Oh, look, they know how to spell it because I put out the box of peppermints, so you know, all right? That's all oh, good. Yeah, you yeah. know what? I love that. That is probably, I have so many of those boxes of peppermints. I bet you do, I've got yeah. about four of them on my desk because all my friends, they find them at Whoosh, the Dutch yeah. shops yeah, because yeah. I'm half Dutch yeah. as well. It's just perfect. And yeah. they're like, look what I found you. Yeah, so, so I've got a stern collection of Wilhelmina peppermints. Good work. Nice work. So uh, make sure that you follow Wilhelmina and uh, add some comments in there and uh, say hello and everything else. You might even be able to see her, let me think. Tangerine Dream from the weekend. How's that? That's good. Tangerine Dream. Yeah, very very catchphrase. (laughs) All right, so thank you very much for your time. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me. No worries. Pleasure. Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.